So we're in this sermon series, we're calling it Habits of Happiness. It's based on eight radical, countercultural statements about happiness that Jesus makes at the beginning of his awesome Sermon on the Mount, recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. So today we come to the third of eight such statements recorded for us here in verse 5. This is what he says. Blessed, happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now at first, this sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? World conquest, possession of the earth, given to people who are meek? Are you kidding me? The world outside the church tends to think of issues like success and happiness as being based on what kinds of character qualities? Well, things like power, strength, aggressiveness, self-confidence. And so we might want to read it, therefore, something like this. Blessed are the aggressive, for they will inherit the, the corner office. Or blessed, happy, are the self-confident, they will inherit the top sales position in the corporation. Blessed, happy, are the powerful, for they will become the CEO of the organization. In other words, the idea is the more you express yourself and assert yourself, you're going to experience happiness and success in your life. And Jesus comes along, and here, once again, is one of these radical statements on his part where he says, no, blessed, happy are the meek, for they, and the idea is, they alone will be the ones who inherit the earth. Jesus' listeners must have responded with shocked silence because, you see, they also tended to think that happiness and success came about as the result of issues like power and self-assertion. And so they looked for a Messiah to come on the scene, traveling into the city of you know, Jerusalem on a white stallion, waving his sword, driving out the Romans that occupied their land in order to set them free. That's the kind of Messiah they hope to find. And Jesus dismisses all of that. In, in essence, he says, no, no, that's not the way. I'm not that kind of Messiah. My kingdom isn't like that. And the citizens in my kingdom are not like either, that way either. Blessed are the meek because they will inherit the earth. But what Jesus says here not only stands in contrast to a lot of attitudes about success and happiness that tend to exist outside the church, unfortunately, what he says oftentimes comes in stark contrast to a lot of thinking that is often displayed within the church. In other words, too often the prevailing attitude tends to be, you want to start a church and grow a church and be successful? Here's how you do it. You begin by having a, a clearly defined marketing strategy. You go out and you hire yourself a leader who's assertive and aggressive, powerful. Let that leader then surround him or herself with all kinds of gifted, qualified, amazing staff members and implement those kinds of values and strategies and you will grow the church. 
And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Blessed are the meek, not those who trust in their own power, their own abilities, or for that matter, even their own strategies. And so what Jesus is saying here tends to come as a word of shock even to us today. Against all of these outlooks, all of these ambitions, Jesus is saying that meekness is a quality of those who are part of his kingdom. That's why they are going to know authentic happiness. Well, if meekness is this important, then we better understand certainly what it is and how it's to be worked out in daily life. So those are the issues we want to talk about today. As you look at your sermon outline, three questions you'll find there, the first of which is this. What is the meaning of meekness? What comes to your mind when you hear this term meek? Well, I don't know what you're thinking of. Maybe you think of somebody who's sort of a wimp, you know, a coward, a doormat, somebody lacking in convictions. Maybe if you went to the school that you attend or into the workplace of yours and asked people around you, what do you think of when you think of a Christian? Perhaps some would say, well, somebody who's sort of indecisive, somebody who's weak, somebody who lacks self-confidence. All right, how then does it make you feel to hear Jesus say, my followers are meek? Is he suggesting to you that you be a doormat, somebody who is lacking in convictions and these kinds of things? Well, of course not. So meekness does not mean weakness. As another negative, neither does meekness mean to be naturally nice. Now, there are some people who just come into the world naturally nice. They're easy to get along with. They're compliant. And of course, it can all be explained in terms of genetics, like biology 101. But Jesus has in mind an attitude that only marks those who are part of his kingdom. Those are the only people who are truly meek. In other words, this is a quality that must be produced in the life by God himself. So Jesus does not mean being naturally nice. As another negative, neither does he mean exhibiting a spirit of compromise where we essentially say, let's forget about our differences. You know, let's just agree to disagree agreeably and, and not get all worked up about anything. No, no. We'll see later that meekness is compatible with passion, with a lot of, of uh, conviction, and also commitment to truth. Well, if meekness is not to be identified with weakness, with being naturally nice or this matter of compromise, what in the world is it? Well, you may want to write down this definition. Meekness can be defined as strength under control. The word that is found here in the original, translated meek, is often found outside the Bible where it's typically uh, used to describe a wild stallion that had been tamed. So out in the wild, this horse has a lot of strength and power, is fast. But when it's tamed, the horse is still fast, still powerful, but all of that strength now is used for the purpose of the person who has mastered that animal. And so that really is a good definition of what it means to be meek. It's strength under control. Now the same word rendered in most of our Bibles as uh, meek is translated in slightly different ways by other translations. Uh, look at this slide, you'll see what I mean. New Living Translation, for example, has blessed are those who are humble, 
So what does it mean to be meek? Well, it means humility. New American Standard Bible, bless are the gentle. So meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. It's humility. It's gentleness. Maybe it will also help us to better understand what this is all about if we look at this uh, third statement in light of the two previous ones that Jesus has drawn to our attention. So you may recall the first of the three statements finds Jesus saying back in verse 3, happy or blessed are the poor in spirit. You may recall what that meant. It refers to our coming before God in a state of brokenness. We are totally aware that we have nothing to offer him whatsoever. All we have is, is our sin. And so we come before him aware of our, our moral brokenness before him. And that causes us, secondly, Jesus goes on to say that blessed are those who mourn, to mourn or grieve that sin. Okay, so if you're aware of your sin to the point where it grieves you and you're confessing it to God, how is that going to play out in terms of your relationship to other people? Well, you're going to be meek. You're going to be gentle. So do you see how these statements by Jesus are all interconnected? Meekness, then, is how you view yourself before God lived out in relation to other people. So you're no longer full of pride and, and arrogance in the way that we relate to others. There's instead this kindness, this respect for others, this humility. We're no longer hypersensitive either and worried about issues like appearance and image and what other people are thinking about us all the time. It's not that we're totally unconcerned about these things, but they're no longer the driving dominant values in our hearts and lives. So being aware of our poverty of spirit, grieving over our sin, we're just amazed that God and others think of us as well as they really do. So that's what it means to be meek. Strength under control, inner attitude in which that expresses itself in terms of our relationship to others. Okay, well, the second question then is how? How exactly does this get played out in daily life? I want to share with you five ways. First of all, on your outline, you may want to write this down. When someone serves me, I'm to be understanding, not demanding. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 expresses the thought like this. Don't be selfish. I mean, that's just the opposite of meekness. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they're doing. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. You and I are served by others all the time. Uh, clerks, uh, tellers, uh, waiters, administrative assistants, uh, fast food operators. So let's say your burger doesn't come out offered to you the way you thought it should. Okay, maybe it needs to be addressed, but the issue is how do you go about doing that? An attorney friend shared with me just yesterday that he's part of the Minnesota Bar Association, and they recently met with a demographer who was sharing what the trends are throughout our state. 
mention really even pre-COVID, there was a drop in serving positions throughout our, our state. And that, of course, uh, just worsened as a result of this pandemic. But he mentioned one of the reasons given as to why there are a few people in serving industries these days is because of how customers tend to treat them. A lot of anger, a lot of demanding attitudes being expressed. Well, okay, how about for you? When it comes to the matters that are out there and you're dealing with people that are serving you in the workplace and restaurants and such, do you address the kinds of issues that emerge with understanding, with some grace and civility, or are you demanding? How about a church? We're served by a lot of people around here as well, in the nursery, in, in Kid City, in Velocity. I mean, um, staff members, uh, board members who are here seeking to serve us as well. Are we understanding or are we demanding? How about it when it comes to family life? The Apostle Peter has this to say to wives who are married to unbelieving husbands. 1 Peter chapter 3. You should be known for the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle, that's the same word translated meek, a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. Wives, would your husbands describe you as gentle, as meek? Say, what about my husband? Okay, well, uh, Peter goes on to say this. In the same way you husbands must Give honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. Okay, would your wives say that about you? That you treat her with understanding? She may be weaker than you. That could be a reference to physically being weaker or culturally weaker since women in the ancient world couldn't get an education. They didn't have any legal rights. So she may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. If you don't treat her as you should, what happens? Well, says Peter, your prayers will not be heard. So when it comes not only to the workplace, but how about also family life? Are you understanding or demanding? Is your strength under control? Be on your outline. When someone disappoints me, I'll be gentle, not judgmental. In other words, the question here is, how do you react when somebody really messes up big time and disappoints you? You, you respond by, in essence, saying, I, I, I knew it. I told you so. How could you be so dumb? I would never do anything like that. Well, notice what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. If someone is caught in a sin, they've messed up big time. You who live by the Spirit should do what? Restore that person. How? Gently. There's our word for meek again. But watch yourselves as you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. Well, is that how you tend to react when somebody messes up? Ephesians 4.32. Be gentle with one another. Sensitive. Forgive one another quickly and thoroughly as God and Christ forgave you. You will know happiness when you accept people who haven't quite attained to your level of perfection. 
Now, that's being stated to you by someone who tends to be a perfectionist. You know, there's the right way of doing things. That's my way. And there's the wrong way of doing things. That would be your way, you know? So I'm trying to learn here as well what this all means and, and how it gets applied uh, to daily life. I mean, God, I need to be aware of the fact, God has given me a lot of slack. He's forgiven me. So now I need to do the same with respect to other people. So when disappointed by others, the meek are gentle, not judgmental. And the question is, is that you? Do you exhibit meekness when disappointed by others, or do you tend to be harsh and judgmental? Thirdly, when someone disagrees with me or criticizes me, I'm to be respectful, not condemning. So now the issue is this. How do you handle the critics in your life? You know, the people who gossip about you, perhaps through social media or at work, the people who malign you, who say nasty things about you. What's your reaction? Well, gentleness diffuses conflict. Let me mention how, as we look at this proverb together in chapter 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tendency in a conversation with somebody tends to run like this. You know, you can both of you feel that things are getting a little bit tense. So that person raises the decibel level. So what do you do, perhaps, in response? Well, you match theirs and then raise it a little bit more. And then that person matches yours and goes higher until finally there is this escalation of conflict. And this proverb, among other things, is encouraging us to do just the opposite. When you sense the tension and that person raises his or her voice, what do you do? You lower yours. And that tends to diffuse things. You say, well, what if the conflict is with my boss? Well, uh, here's a good verse that you may need someday, perhaps even this coming week. I wonder if you knew that this verse was even in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 10.4. If your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. Now, if you deserve the criticism from your, you know, your boss, take it. But maybe your boss is just having a bad day, and you need to be aware of that. So to go back to Proverbs, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Be respectful, not critical or condemning. By the way, this is a quality that, according to Scripture, must be present in the life of leaders in the church, ministry leaders, paid staff, volunteer leaders. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. They should gently teach those who oppose the truth. And again, the word gently is the same as our word meek. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will believe the truth. So the meek seek to be understanding, not demanding toward those who serve, gentle, not judgmental toward those who disappoint, respectful, not condemning when there is a disagreement. And again, the question is, is that you? Is that me? Do we exhibit meekness when there's a disagreement or a criticism? And then number four, or D on your outline, when hurt by someone, I'll be merciful, not vengeful. 
It's a fact of life that other people are going to hurt you. So sometimes that's even done, of course, intentionally. So the question is, how do we respond to that uh, occasion? When our normal reaction, perhaps around such people, is what? Well, if you've been sarcastic to me, I'm going to be doubly sarcastic in my response to you. Retaliation. We want to get even. Well, instead, the meek person responds with mercy, with a spirit of forgiveness. Why? Because that person is aware of their own brokenness before God. It's caused them to mourn their sin. And so it's turned them into individuals that seek to be merciful and kind with respect to others. Now, by way of illustration, I think of Moses. In Numbers chapter 12, we're told that Moses was being severely criticized in a rebellion that was led by, of all people, his sister Miriam and his brother Aaron. And apparently it had to do with the fact that Moses married an African woman. Zipporah, his wife, was a Cushite, which is a name given to inhabitants of ancient Ethiopia. So she wasn't a Semite, she was African, she was black. And so those closest to Moses, his sister and brother, felt apparently that the pure racial stock of Israel was being contaminated by this interracial marriage. Well, the very next verse in the story, verse 3, says this, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. Now the reason it says this about Moses is because he didn't retaliate. In effect, he was saying, Lord, I'm going to let you handle this. Well, God struck Miriam with leprosy. She became as white as snow. As if God was saying, Miriam, you like white skin? Okay, you're going to have a lot of it. And Moses doesn't say a word. He would not retaliate. So what am I saying? I'm saying that meekness is the ability to handle a hurt without retaliation. The meek person is merciful, not vengeful. And again, is that you? Well, the fifth one here, E on your outline, when with unbelievers, I'll be courteous, not quarrelsome. Here's what the Bible says in Titus chapter 3. Believers must not speak evil of anyone, nor quarrel, but be gentle and truly courteous to all. Now, does this mean you can't disagree with, with other people? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Of course you can. You just can't malign them. You can't slander them. You can't go on, use the social media to uh, personally attack them. Instead, you seek to be gentle with everybody and show courtesy. Now, wait a minute. You say, what if they're an atheist? Yeah, if they're an atheist. What if they're Muslim? Yeah, Muslims. What if they're gay or transgender? Yeah, once again, sure. So you don't compromise your Christian convictions, but you just treat everybody with respect, with courtesy, whether you agree with them or not. Now, related to this, let me ask you a question. Let's say over here we have the king, kingdom of earth. You know, in our case, the United States, our government, everything related to our government, Supreme Court issues, uh, the president and parties and issues that come down related to 
COVID and masking and vaccinations and all kinds of issues over here, which are important to us, right? And over here, we have the kingdom established by Jesus Christ. Different values, different purposes as to why this kingdom exists compared to the other one. The question is not, should we be unconcerned about the world over here? Of course we should. We, as Christian citizens in this country, need to be concerned about all of these issues. But the question is this, as we relate to an unbelieving world, which gets the priority? Which kingdom controls our top values? terms of how we're going to treat other people. Do we dig in our heels and use social media to attack people we disagree with? Or are we seeking to be respectful and kind in the way we go about demonstrating matters of faith? Well, I certainly hope it's, it's the latter for each one of us. So what I'm saying then is this, be careful, okay? Why? Because while many of the political issues we care about over here are significant, they don't even begin to compare to people's eternal destinies. So watch how you use social media. Don't quarrel. Be civil and respectful. In fact, look at what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3. He's talking about witnessing to an unbeliever. And he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. So no matter what they believe, no matter how they act, how ungodly they may be, you are to do it with gentleness and respect because gentleness witnesses to unbelievers. Well, having considered what meekness is and um, how it's to be manifested, what's the result of all of this? Well, Jesus tells us in the last part of verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Oh good, does this mean I'm promised success and if I live out this life, I'll get the corner office or become this top salesperson in the firm? Well, not necessarily. No, this promise of, of, to the meek is actually something that begins to happen even in this life at the present. Jesus' statement is connected to a statement found in Psalm 37, verse 11, where the psalmist is concerned about contrasting the wicked with the meek. This is what it says. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great success. In other words, it's a picture of being validated, vindicated. So God will honor them and reward them and bless them. So while the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus' statement is yet to be fully realized, there's a sense in which in this life the meek are honored and blessed by God. You say, how so? Well, as a result of being understanding and merciful and courteous and all of these qualities we've been talking about, God gives that individual a contentment and a happiness that seems to forever elude those who are demanding and defensive, and vengeful, and even judgmental. But at the same time, this is a promise that waits ultimately uh, for future fulfillment, because a day is coming, as the New Testament indicates to us, when there, we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness, 
So it's saying that God is in the business of populating his kingdom with people who are not only poor in spirit and who mourn, but those who are meek. Well, someone here today might feel like saying, Pastor Rich, I'm convinced this is the life for me. I want to be happy, and so I'm going to go out and do this. I'm going to stop being proud. I'm going to start being meek. Probably by Tuesday, people will start coming up to me and saying, wow, are you ever meek? Yeah, I mean, Pastor Rich, I'm going to, when served, I'm going to be understanding and when disappointed, I'll be gentle, and when there's disagreement, I'll be respectful, and when hurt, I'll be merciful, and when around unbelievers, I'll even be courteous. Really? Did you notice that Jesus never tells anybody to try to be meek? Why is that? Well, because he knows we can't. So he never tells us to try to be meek because it can't be done. He knows that there's no way by ourselves that we can demonstrate any of these characteristics as far as that goes. It is God and God alone who makes people meek. It's the God who gets inside of us and begins in the new birth to transform our hearts and lives, changing us to be something that otherwise we could not be. So to become meek, Initially, we've got to turn to Christ in prayer because it is Jesus who says this in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. It's a picture of those who are trying to be good enough to measure up for God. And the reality is we can't. We never can. So put that aside, Jesus is saying, I'll give you rest. Why? Because I'm something that you're not. I am meek and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. So we look to Christ, and he gives us his spirit. Paul the Apostle describes all of that in 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, rather, verse 7, by saying this, God did not give us a spirit of timidity. In other words, he doesn't turn us into a bunch of wimps to lack courage or conviction. No, gave us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And so as we yield to him on a daily basis and acknowledge our need for him, the transformation begun when we become Christians continues. So blessed are you who are meek, because the day will come when you will inherit the earth. Let's pray together. I invite you to pray this prayer silently after me if it represents the desires of your heart. Lord Jesus, what are those changes that you especially want to accomplish in my life today? Who's the person who really gets my goat? When am I demanding and need to be more understanding? When, Lord, Recently, I was disappointed by someone. Was I judgmental? Lord, when there are disagreements, am I compromising or condemning? Lord, when hurt, have I been vengeful? 
The Lord went around on believers. Help me to be courteous, not quarrelsome, demanding. I want to be like you, Lord Jesus. And I need your power, your love, and self-control in my life for that to happen. So show me, I pray, where I need to be meek, and by your grace I'll seek to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.